giving, generous in our giving, and we say that we want to trust you, and we want to test you, and see you come through for our needs, and we'll believe that you'll do that. In Jesus' name we pray. So be it. Amen. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, Jim, and worship team as well. Praise God. Good morning. Yeah, worship team did amazing today. So if you have a seat next to you, we have a completely packed house tonight. Praise God. This morning. Praise God. If you have a seat next to you, just raise your hand because I know the ushers said there are a few people that are still trying to find seats. So ushers, you can direct folks. Even if you're willing on your row, if you're willing to scoot in and put one of those seats on the edge, that would even be helpful because um, that will allow people, if they're coming in late, to make their way in and find a seat. And so uh, it's days like today that make us very grateful that we're going to two services here in a few months. Praise God. And so, because we want to create space, yeah, we want to create space for as many people to come in and be a part of what God is doing here at Gate City as possible. And we are, without question, beginning to get to capacity. So my name's Hazen Stevens. I am one of our, our pastors here. I'm our executive pastor of our operations. And I'm just excited to get to bring this message to you guys today. So we've been in this series, Altar, Table, Road. And Billy kind of laid out the big vision for all three of those components and how we're using that as a discipleship framework, as a spiritual family. And then, and then Casey brought us a word around what it means to form an altar of prayer in our lives and priestliness in particular, how that's always been God's plan for us to be a kingdom of priests since the beginning. Jamie brought us a powerful exhortation to build the corporate reality of worship and prayer here in this house, a call to the families in particular, a call to us to get to the wall of intercession and specifically the phrase all to the wall. And I'll share a little bit about that later, but it, it's been so cool to see how families have jumped into prayer since she gave that prophetic exhortation to us. And this past week, my family did a missions trip to the night watch of our 24-7 worship and prayer house of prayer. And it was pretty encouraging because the little girls that you got to see baptized, they did some 2 a.m. worship sets. And if you want to see something that will just make you say exactly what you just said, ah, and that's the cutest thing. And those are, the, in my opinion, the sweetest voices this side of heaven that you'll ever hear in worship. You can check out my Facebook page. I put a little video, and you can check out the worship. What night would it be, Hannah, if they want to go back and watch the live stream? I don't remember, but we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll, you can check out my Facebook page at least. I posted it there. And just beautiful worship. And there's nothing that brings greater joy to a father's heart than to see his children loving Jesus well. And it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm just so grateful because it takes a tribe, right? And that's not what we're seeing in the lives of our children. It's the result of Pastor Christopher's amazing discipleship in our children's ministry, Luciris, Cece, the entire team, the way that they contribute to the transformation we're seeing in the lives of our children, and I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful for our spiritual family, and that we get to do a, a corporate altar of worship and prayer, get to have an environment where the voices of our children are as valued as the voices of the adults, as valued as the voices of the leaders in worship and in prayer, and we're teaching that and instilling that from a young age. So that was Jamie's admonishment, amazing to see different families jumping in, contributing to life 
of prayer. Rolando gave us an amazing message on table and what it means to have a place where God sets a table before you, where you enter into what God wants to teach you. You set a table before others. What are the relationships that you're teaching and instructing others? And so God sets up a table. There's a table set before you, and there's a table uh, to together that we also enter into uh, one another, building relationships where we learn together. And so it's incredible just to think about what it means to build a table where everybody is welcome. And then Ash brought us a powerful encouragement last week to, again, do what we do as family, both spiritual family and natural family. And we're just so challenged by even his example. We walk in relationship with one another and how he disciples and leads his family. And the stories inspired me to have similar conversations with my children. And so go back, check out any of those messages, and let's build out this framework so that it's not just something we understand, but it's something we do in our lives together. And there may be a place that you hear what we're talking about, and you feel the need, okay, I want to strengthen the corporate altar of worship and prayer. Or maybe the only place I pray is corporately. We need to strengthen the altar of worship and prayer in our home and our family. Or maybe the challenge is, you know what? I've been doing really good in my devotional life and prayer, but I'm lacking in the corporate spiritual connection to family, and I need to join a house church, or I need to join a small group, or I need to get connected to a group of people. Today, we're going to begin our final section, which is road. And so we're going to do three messages on road before we close out this series. And today, I have the honor of getting to talk about what it means to reach our neighborhoods. Jesus challenged us when he said, take the gospel. He said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth is what he told those first disciples. And because of their faithfulness to that charge, the gospel has almost reached every nation. We may see it, in fact, reach every nation on the earth in our generation. We get to be a part of praying for that. We get to see that happen. But how many of you know If we reach the hardest and darkest places, but we neglect our neighbor, we're lacking in the fullness of what Christ intended for us. And so we want to be a church that is both missional in reaching the hardest and darkest places, but not neglectful in sharing the gospel with the person to our right and to our left. Amen? So that's the subject today. I'm going to talk about road and particularly neighborhoods. Would you just take a moment and pray with me? My family is here because of baptisms. You can say hi to them. Just wave at them. They're right over here. And so I'll just acknowledge my family being in the room makes me very nervous. So I just want to encourage you to pray for me. Not because I'm nervous about what I'm going to say. It's because I'm nervous about how I'm going to act at lunch afterwards. And so there's a little extra accountability when family is in the room. But I'm very grateful that they're here. And so if you guys would pray for me and, uh, and let's pray pray together right now and go before the Lord and then we'll jump into the word. So Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to hear what the Spirit is saying today. And I just ask, Lord, that we would have an abundance of grace. There'd be grace on me to speak in truth and in clarity and in wisdom. And I pray, Lord, that there would be grace on all of us to both hear and do your word. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just uh, feel a sense of, of Uh, admonishment that we should be witnesses, Lord. We all know that already in our hearts. Uh, I pray that we would be charged to live different going from this time. And we know that that only comes by your grace, changing us, spurring us on. And I ask, Holy Spirit, you would do that work in us, that you would empower us to be witnesses, Lord. You would empower us to be witnesses, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you do want to follow along in the notes, you can scan the QR code in front of you. It's a pretty simple message today. It may be one that 
that many of you have heard some version of in your journey. And as I was even kind of giving an introduction, I'm sure many of you said, oh, we're going to hear a message on evangelism. There may be a sense of like, oh, that's the last thing I want to hear. Because how many of you know whenever there are messages of evangelism, oftentimes you walk away feeling kind of guilty? I know I do a lot of times. Because you already know this is something you should be doing. Most of us in this room, it's like, ah. I know I need to do that, and it's going to go on my list of New Year's resolutions along with working out and getting up early and doing my devotional times, right? And we kind of make these regular commitments, and we hear the message, and we experience a little bit of incremental change. And can I tell you what I want to challenge us with today is, first, guilt and shame are terrible motivators, okay? So I don't want you to be motivated by guilt or shame, but I do believe there's a place of opening our heart to let the Holy Spirit challenge us to live different. And the best way to do that is if we decide to do that together and make a commitment to do that together, then the person to my right and my left in this service this morning can challenge me to actually walk it out. And so rather than us thinking about it as individual responsibility to share the gospel, think of our individual responsibility to evangelize or share the gospel as a part of creating a community where this is normal. And if we can do that together, that's my challenge to us today, if we can do that together, just like prayer together creates a greater accountability that makes something that might make us feel guilty or shameful or like we're not ever doing enough, it can actually create a culture where it begins to be normal that we're praying. We certainly couldn't pray night and day without it being a community endeavor, right? And my challenge to us is, I don't think we can be missional and evangelistic in the way that we want to without all of us embracing the fact that, yes, I have to do it, but my portion is actually what's going to spur somebody else on to do it. My friend Caleb, who's back from Africa, he's one of our, our missionaries, a Send 56 missionary. He didn't know I was preaching this message this Sunday, but uh, you know how you, you'll preach something and then God will give you just the, the right divine spurrings throughout the week leading into the message. And he was sharing with me how he hasn't shared the gospel since coming back from Africa. And how oftentimes as people in ministry in particular, it can feel like because we're praying, because we're reading our Bible, we're doing all these spiritual things for God. But he said, if those of us who are in ministry aren't regularly sharing the gospel, how can we expect other people to do it? And he was just challenging me because he went to AutoZone to pick up some parts. Hope you're not, I'm not embarrassing you, Caleb. He's actually right over there if you guys want to know who I'm talking about. He's got the shaved head and the glasses and the goatee. And he, um, he went to AutoZone across the street and, you know, he was wanting to pick something. He was talking about the temptation just to get into the busyness of his activity and said, but I, sh- I pushed through what I was there to do and also shared the gospel at the same time. And he said, it brought such joy to my heart. And he was just sharing with me and it just spurred me on. And, you know, his lifestyle is a provocation to me. And if we can all embrace a lifestyle of sharing the gospel regularly, sharing our testimonies regularly, praying for people regularly, I believe we can truly spur each other on in inspiring ways. I want to share another story. It was a funny one that kind of I was reminded of today. Maria, I was in the back hallway just talking to our folks that were getting baptized. And Maria, who is the young woman, blonde woman who got baptized today, shared her testimony. So powerful, encouraging. She said, I remember when you used to have long hair, and I like that you brought back the goatee. I said, I appreciate that, and for several of you that said you like my goatee, I appreciate that as well. Thank you, guys. uh, And so I have the goatee, and I'm deciding, should I bring back the long hair? I don't know, perhaps. 
but there was a season in my life in my college years where I had long hair and I had this goatee and I was working at this summer camp and there was like, y'all, there was like a plague that broke out at this summer camp and so all these kids ended up in the infirmary and I was like, I think this is spiritual, I think this is the devil. I was like, I'm gonna go in there, I'm just gonna pray. And so all these kids have been taken out by like fevers and uh, virulent vomiting, I mean, it was just gross and they're just all laid up in this infirmary cabin And I go in there and I'm just praying, Lord, just break the sickness and the disease. And I remember this little girl kind of shaking awake because I'm in there quietly praying. She looks up at me and she says, Jesus? (laughs) And I said, no, sweetie, I'm not not Jesus. You just go back to to bed. And... um, But I was reminded of that story when I was thinking about my former days of long locks. And I was thinking about how in some ways it is a picture of this message. Because really when we talk about living evangelistically, we're talking about representing Jesus in the world around us. You know, and my physical features at that time were a reminder <laughs> of, of what it meant to try and live as Jesus in that time. Um, but what are the ways that we are living like Jesus, not in our appearance, but in our conduct? To the people around us. And that's really the essence of what I want to talk about today. What is it to be a light and a witness to people that are spiritually sick around us? So uh, I'm going to break down kind of what I'm going to take us through, and it'll be pretty efficient, I hope, so that we can have some time for ministry and prayer at the end. But I just want to break this message down into three basic components. First, I want to talk about what are the barriers that we have to just living a life as a bold witness for Jesus. What are the things, and you know how I made this list? I inventoried the very things that trip me up regularly. The things that I have to overcome in my daily life to be an intentional witness. And the reality is not that we're all gonna get to the point where somehow we've ascended into the heights of spirituality and we're never challenged by any of these hindrances. That is not what courage is. Courage is not the absence of fear or adversity. Courage is the willingness to press through those things to do what God has asked us to do. And so I want to challenge us and and talk about what some of those practical barriers are. Then I want to talk about what does it mean to actually share. And I want to both inspire us, hopefully, to have a high vision for what could be. But I also want to get you moving on something practical today. And so I want to give you just a baby step and say, if you'll go out, if you'll walk out the doors today and over lunch or with a coworker or with your neighbor or with someone at the grocery store, do the simple things that I'm prescribing, you're going to begin to experience the joy of sharing your faith. And I'll share a little bit about more of that what. And then I want to close with just inspiring us again as to the why, as to the why. Because if we carry the why deep in our heart, I believe that's what makes us an effective witness. And the why has everything to do with just constantly setting the amazing love of God before us and realizing we have a message that has both transformed our lives and has the power to transform the life of every person around us. And the enemy just wants to shut that down and cause us to shut our mouths. But if we'll open our mouths and if we'll take our hands out of our pockets and pray for someone or we'll open up our wallets and give something or we'll do some act of kindness or generosity and then point to our Savior, that light is going to shine so bright before people. You're going to be like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
And that verse in particular, as I talk about the corporate life of the witness, God's been speaking to me about that verse. And he said, what makes a city on a hill that cannot be hidden is the collective life of the spiritual family together being willing to individually do good works that testify of our Father. Amen. So that's kind of the roadmap for this message. You'll see it in the notes. So let's jump right in and talk about why don't we share the gospel message? How many of you would like to be a more bold witness for Jesus? Okay, that's the majority of us, right? But sometimes when recognizing I need to make a change in my life, who recognizes in order to do that, I've got to make some kind of change in my life, right? I see heads nodding all across the room. We recognize there's some kind of change we need to make. And so we need to diagnose what trips us up. So I just kind of put four things that I think are the main things that trip us up. And I'm going to just kind of put it in the internal language of what goes through my own mind. And you may find yourself in one of these four. The first one I would say is nervousness. A lot of times we don't share the gospel simply because we're nervous or fearful. And here are the kinds of things that go through my mind. What if they ask me about the dinosaurs? What if they ask me about the Nephilim? If you don't know what the Nephilim are, they're a weird biblical thought. Okay, I'm not going to go down that bunny trail, but go look them up and you go, yeah, that's weird. And that's the kind of thing that people sometimes ask you about when you're doing evangelism, right? Like, and what if I don't have a good answer for their questions and I actually represent Christ poorly and then what happens is the person is like worse off than they are before and I just want to challenge you, you're not that powerful, that's actually like a falsely inflated view of what, you, I promise you that if, if, if they, and honestly what I've experienced, and you may resonate with this, most people that you share with, they're going to remember how they felt talking to you. They're not going to remember much of what you said. Do you know how I know that? Because I've preached a lot of messages and heard a lot of messages, and I rarely remember the things I say or the things others say. It's only occasionally that someone has such a powerful, inspiring thought that you remember it, right? But what you do remember is that sense of being loved when you walked away from the conversation, right? What you do remember is that they were patient when you asked about the dinosaurs, (laughs) or they were humble when they said, I don't know the answer to that, but I'd love to go look into it, right? And so nervousness you know, that nervousness, I'm, I'm going to mess it up, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm just scared, or a sense of, you know, I don't want my reputation to be tarnished in some way, or I don't want to be embarrassed, or I don't want to look foolish. And, and I would say all of those are reasonable things. You may look foolish, you may end up feeling embarrassed, right? And, and it's not that those things aren't real, it's just let's acknowledge it, but let's acknowledge it and not let it take us out. Let's acknowledge it and go, you know what, I'm scared, and use that as an opportunity for prayer. God, be, because he says your power is made perfect in weakness. And so if you're feeling weak, you're in the perfect position to be used by God. The second thing I would say is busyness. I don't have time. And usually this is something like I have somewhere to be. Caleb's example, I've got a part that I've got to get home and install in the car. Uh, I, I just want to get some milk. Sometimes I go to the grocery store, I'm like, I just want to get some milk, I just want to get orange juice, I want to do what I'm here to do, and the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, you need to have a conversation with this person, right? And you go, ah, but I got somewhere to be, Lord. 
don't you know, I got, this is my one day off, right? I do ministry the five other days during the week, but this is, and the thing I would challenge us to recognize is, is your time your time or the Lord's time, right? Is your money your money or is it the Lord's money? And in the same way that if we want to live a surrendered life, it means our time, our reputation, and our relationships belong first and foremost to Jesus, right? And so it's not that busyness isn't real. Again, I derived these from going, these are the things that trip me up. But it's having a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and saying, you know what? And this is the prayer that I've prayed. God, I want to be willing to witness to anyone, anytime, anywhere. And you know the people that scare me the most, just so you can relate to it, are older white businessmen. Because they remind me of my dad and they just make me nervous. <laughs> okay. And so I'm like, Lord, I'll talk to the young person. I'll talk to the pregnant lady. And the, but that older guy with the briefcase, I do not want to talk to him. <laughs> and you know, the Lord just convicted me of that. And he said, it's okay. It's okay that there's some situations where you're more nervous than others. There's some, it's okay that there's some situations where you feel perfectly comfortable. Uh, and, and he was just showing me, like, even though that's true, like you can, you can work through those things, be aware and move past the nervousness, move past the busyness, and move into boldness by saying, Lord, my time is your time. I want to be willing to share whatever you would have me share with anyone, anytime, anywhere. And that's a tall order, and I'm not there, guys. I'm not there. But I'm still praying that prayer today, going, Lord, I want to be willing to be a faithful witness because I know, and I'll, I'll just share this with you vulnerably, I know what a difference it could have made in my own life. I grew up in an environment that was steeped in a religion, and I'm very grateful. My mom's here. She took me to church. I learned things about God. We had chapel every single Wednesday at the school that I was in, but the reality of the gospel message was very rare in my experience. I can remember a few times where I heard it and I grasped it, right? And it just, because the environment was a little bit more religious than emphasizing the importance of a personal relationship, that was kind of what my, my experience was. I'm grateful for the biblical foundations it gave me, but the thing that I mourn is that I was surrounded by Christians, but very, very few, I would say uh, really no one, ever put their hand on my shoulder, looked in the eyes, and said, is your life surrendered to Jesus? Is Jesus the supreme treasure of your life? Are you really living and serving him? And my cousins who are here, I remember, you know, we're going to talk in a minute about just how we can share and care and pray for people. And I remember in my graduation, uh, they gave me a bunch of Christian books at my high school graduation. And you know what? It's so funny because I because you may have someone in your life and you know they're going to roll your eye, their eyes at you when you give them that gift, you give them, tell them that story, you, you engage, you pray for them, whatever that situation is. But can I tell you, I was rolling my eyes as a high school senior when they gave me these Christian books. But two or three years later, I took those books off the shelves and I began to read them in a moment of need. And you never know where that seed that you sow. And thank you, Andrea and Drew, for being faithful and being a bold witness. I can even remember, you know, just to, to mention them again, like, and they're not in full-time ministry. They both have jobs, teaching, real estate. But I can remember when my cousin Andrea's mother passed away. One of the things that she did was she had a whole table at the funeral of a, 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 a book called More Than a Carpenter because her... Uh, mother was someone who had a real heart for evangelism, and they gave that book away, which was a, a book on apologetics, to every single person for free that came to that funeral. 
It was just a small thing that they could do to sow a seed into somebody's life uh, in a way that, you know, may produce an impact on someone. And I just go, a, a willingness to get out, that's, that probably was an uncomfortable decision for them, but they were willing to take that step. And I know they were willing to take the uncomfortable step of maybe giving me some Christian books or something that, you know, I may have rolled my eyes at in the moment, but later made a profound difference in my life. And I know that those, that those gifts were prayed over gifts, where they're going to change this person's life, change my nephew's life, change my cousin's life, change my aunt and uncle's life, right? And what I find is when we put a little bit of action to our prayers, those two things can create a powerful opportunity for someone's life to be changed. Amen? So let's learn to do what we do. Did that take a whole lot? I mean, she was grieving the loss of her mother, but did that take a whole lot of time in order to put those books out on that table? There could have been every excuse in the world to say, I'm too busy to add this extra thing to the planning of my mother's funeral. But because she has the eternal salvation of others in mind, they took that extra step to step out of the busyness of of what was involved in that and to make sure that they're putting a priority on the eternal souls of others. And then, so nervousness, busyness, and then uncertainty. I just don't know how. I don't know what to say. Uh, And some of us, I have friends that are uncomfortable to pick up the phone and call a stranger. Maybe you're one of those introverted people. You're like, my wife just raised her hand. (laughs) She's like, can you call the the person for me? Because I don't like to talk to people I don't know. Uh, And you may be one of those people. And can I say to you, like, there is a place for you in this message, because not everyone's gonna have an extroverted personality. I'm a very extroverted person. My mom is a very extroverted person. She'll start a number of conversations uh, with people and and it embarrasses me because we've just gotten to know everybody in the grocery store line, all the problems that are happening in their lives. But it also challenges me because she has, no offense, mom, my mom's not that old, but she's old enough to have that thing that like when you get a certain age, you just don't care. It's like you just lose that sense of how other people may be perceiving you, and you're just going to kind of say whatever you feel like saying. And so, but it challenges me because she has no thought to her reputation, and she's going to strike up a conversation with somebody, and she's going to invite them to church, or she's going to share something with them, or she's going to put them on their prayer list. She wakes up every morning, and she has a list, and I taught her how to copy and paste on her phone so that she can at least do that, but she doesn't send out to a group her daily Bible verse, she picks a Bible verse, prays over it, and then sends it individually to like 100 people. Is, it, is that right, mom? Is it like 100 people? She says thumbs up. So if you want to get on her text distribution list, you can see her immediately. After. But then she goes, that's my ministry. She goes, I want to, you know, and so she's sending Bible verses. And so, but she'll, you know, and the people on that list are, are close family members all the way down to the person that she met at the pharmacy last week, you know. And, um, and she's praying and, and sending those out, and that's her ministry, right? And so even though you may not w- know what to do, what I want to challenge you to do is do what you know. Even though you may not know what to do, start with what you know. And ever, all of us at least have a story that we can tell, Right? of something Jesus did in your life. I mean, I think we just saw that in our baptisms, even if it's as simple as, like, I love Jesus, right? And he's changed my life. Like, that is a testimony. Now, I'm not saying stop there. What I am saying is start there. If that's where you are today, begin to take a step of faith to get out of your comfort zone. 
I love that it's really hot in here today and we had to open all the doors. And in charismatic churches, all the AC breaking down, all the microphone issues, it has to be prophetic, right? And so I'm like, the doors to the sanctuary are open today. It's because we're going to go out and we're going to flood the streets of our county with the gospel and we're going to get uncomfortable just being in the four walls of the church because the Holy Spirit's going to make it hot in here, right? Like, we're going to go, okay, like maybe this is a sign to us that we're not supposed to be in here today only, okay? We're supposed to be out there letting our light shine in front of people, which we'll talk about more in a minute. So even though you may not feel like, I don't know what to do, do what you know. And, and, and one thing that we're going to do to equip you, and this is a very practical call to action, is we're going to offer a workshop on sharing your personal testimony. And I'm going to lead that workshop. We're going to offer a virtual one that'll be Wednesday night at 8 p.m., okay? And this will be on our website, and I believe it's also, you scan the QR code, you can register. So there'll be an hour workshop that's virtual, and then there'll be one following service next week, and it'll be with lunch, so nobody has any excuses not to come, okay? So you got a virtual one, you got a physical one, and what we're going to do is just help you learn to share your own story, let you practice with somebody, and let you ask questions. It's going to be very, very basic. So if you go, I don't even know, like I just got baptized, I just got saved, I don't even know how to share my faith, this workshop will help you learn how to tell a story. And you just got to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. You got to be able to tell how Jesus is the hero of your life, and you got to be able to talk about some of the villains in your life that Jesus overcame to set you free. And that's going to be the basic structure of the workshop. So jump in on that with us, and it'll help give you courage if you're one of those people who's like, I don't even like to talk to a stranger on the phone. It'll help give you courage because you're going to lower some of those hurdles by just practicing an environment that's safe, right? If you want to teach your kids to ride a bike, you don't take them out to the uh, parking lot and let them learn. Well, at least I didn't. Some of my friends did, and they had a whole bunch of bloody knees on their hands. <laughs> but... Um, but you take your kids to a grassy, you take your kids to a grassy space, that's where you teach them to ride a bike, right? And so what I would challenge you to do is you need to begin sharing the gospel. Don't begin with the hardest people in your life, which we know who the hardest people in our lives is. It's our family because we got to see them all the time, right? Begin, begin with it. some of the safest places you can share is with the person that you see regularly at the grocery store, with that friend relationship where you know you need to, you know. And, and I'll share this last one because it's really the one that trips us up when it comes to our family. Step number four, procrastination, the thing, the barrier number four. So we have nervousness, busyness, uncertainty. If you're like check, check, and check, invariably that's going to lead to procrastination, which is maybe I'll get to it next year. I know that the clock is ticking on Uncle So-and-so, and I'm like, I think he went to church, I think he got baptized, but I don't know if he has a saving relationship with Jesus, and he has us pray every Thanksgiving, but I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if his eternity is secure in Christ, and you don't know that, and you have a relationship with that person, and they're not getting any younger, right? Like, and there's nothing like losing people in your family that are close to you that will wake you up to this reality. Man, I'm, no one is guaranteed a tomorrow. And part of that urgency should compel us, let's not wait till next year. Let's, let's pray for an opportunity, a God opportunity, to have that conversation with that family member that we know that maybe is sick and struggling with cancer. Or maybe that family member who you know, like, they're dealing with hard things in the life of their kids, and they're not, they're not 
they're not prospering in the realities of their life. And it's like you have the answer, ultimately. And nervousness, busyness, uncertainty, those aren't great reasons not to share. Those are things to overcome. Now, I promised I wasn't going to guilt and shame you. So I want to say it in a different way. You guys ready for this? I'm going to admonish us, encourage us. I am confident that all of us can relate to one of these hang-ups. And though they may hold us back at times, none of them are too much for us to overcome. You can be the faith-filled man or woman of God that you want to be. You don't have to live letting excuses rob you of the joy of boldly sharing your faith. We want to be a people who overcome these obstacles and share the message of eternal life that transformed us. Has Jesus changed your life? Has he made your heart new? Are you looking forward to the day that you're going to stand before him and he's hopefully going to speak to you, well done, good and faithful servant? If those are true, if those things I just said are true of your life, and you've truly done what we were singing earlier, Lord, I surrender. You've surrendered your life to Jesus, right? Then you have the thing that every human heart is longing for. Because the reality is, and I think about this a lot of times with sobriety, when I go to the mall or I'm out in public places, I'm like, everyone here is going to stand before the God that I serve and worship. But not all of them know it. They're not going to stand before Buddha. They're not going to stand before Allah. They're not going to stand before Confucius. They're not going to stand before any other person but the man Christ Jesus. And the question he's going to ask them is, what did you do with, with my testimony, with my witness, right? And for those of us who have an answer, Lord, I served you, I loved you, I gave my life to you, I obeyed you, we're going to enter into his joy. But for those who never never accepted his sacrifice, there is a terrifying reality of eternal separation from God in torment, in hell. And so that makes what we carry as believers, what we know to be true, the transformation that we've experienced in our life, the most precious and powerful thing we could ever share with a person. And I believe that we can do it. Paul said it this way, Romans 1.16, it is the power of God who brings salvation to everyone who believes that is in the message of the gospel. And he said, I am not ashamed. I think you could substitute in the very things that hold us back. I'm not nervous because I know that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. I'm not too busy because I know the gospel is the power of God for salvation. I'm not uncertain of what to say. I've equipped myself because I know the message of the of the gospel is the power of God for salvation. I'm not going to procrastinate because I know that the message of the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And do you know why a lot of people just haven't believed? Is they're just like me, they haven't really had an opportunity to hear. They haven't had somebody put their hand on their shoulder and say, what have you done with what you know about Jesus? You know, there's the four spiritual laws. Some of you might be familiar with that. It's what they teach, Campus Crusade for Christ, largest evangelistic organization in the world. They teach four steps. They teach God has a plan for your life. Sin is separated from that plan. God has done the work of reconciling. Do you know what the fourth step is? You have to believe and receive the previous three things. And they include that fourth step because what happens a lot of times for religious people is they know those first things. 
Maybe you're in this room right now and you know those three things. You know God is real. You know he has a plan for your life. You know sin has separated you, but you haven't yet surrendered, believed, and received those truths. And transformation doesn't just happen in the hearing, but the responding to that message. We can give people the opportunity to hear. And we don't have to be an attorney. We don't have to be a prosecutor, right? We just have to be a witness. In 1 John, John the apostle, beloved apostle, he says, we're telling you about the words of life that we've seen, we've touched, we've experienced. We've experienced the one who has the words of eternal life. And so we can't help but tell you about it. I love what the evangelist Ray Comfort says when people say, how do you know God is real? He says, when I wake up in the morning I, I, next to my wife, I smell the smell of her hair. I know what her voice sounds like. He goes, I've had such an intimate experience with God that I would say those same things are true of God's presence and my knowing of him. Asking me the question of how do I know that God is real is the, the same as asking me the question, how do I know my right, wife is real? It's because I experience her every day in my relationship with her. And so if you have that, that is a precious gift. And, and many who've even had a religious experience, they've never actually experienced the person of Jesus. And you get to be that one who has a goatee and long hair and shows up, makes people go, Jesus? Like, that can be you. You can be the fragrance of Christ in the situations of life and share that message. Colossians 1.6 this same good news that came to you, Paul is talking to the church in Colossae, is going out all over the world and it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your life from the day we heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. I was visiting a church in Southern California. They're a very evangelistic church. They've done over 50,000 baptisms in the life of this church. Okay? And they are highly invitational. And as I met with leader after leader after leader, this awesome church, do you know what I became convinced of? They really believe that if the people in their church will invite their unbelieving friends and family into community at their church, that those people are going to experience something life transforming. And because they believe that, they inspire their church to invite people. People come into the environment, they experience something of God, and they get saved. And they get baptized. And the church grows not through church transfers, but people encountering Jesus because they're invited by other people who've encountered Jesus. And I came away from that going, we can do that. Like we as a church, but part of what we have to accept foundationally is what we have here is good and worth sharing. And when I saw that verse in Colossians, I was like, that's what Paul was saying to the church in Colossae. You believe that the gospel is good. This same message is going out throughout the world. It's transforming lives. And you've seen the effect in your own life. And I was like, wow, what if a community of people really believed that if their unbelieving friends and family came into the environment, they're gonna experience something in worship. They're gonna experience something in house church. They're gonna experience something around the dinner table. They're gonna experience something in our generosity and our kindness. And because we believe that, instead of being like, oh, I don't know if I wanna invite them, we're like, you gotta come. You gotta come because what we got going on is really good and it'll change your life. How will it change my life? You just gotta come see. You just gotta come and taste and see God's goodness that's in our midst. And maybe you could bring a little sample to them, too, wherever they're at. Okay, so there's three simple ways 
that I want to challenge us to share our faith. And then I'm going to end, like I said, with an inspiring note. I made it really simple for us. It's like dummy proof, okay? Prayer, share, care. Say it with me now. Say prayer, share, care. Okay. I got Bible verses in there, but I don't think you even need the Bible verses. Because this isn't about you learning something new. I think a lot of times in the Western church, we are addicted to learning and not doing. Right? And so our heads are big and our hearts are small. Okay? And you know what happens when you have somebody that's really, really effective because they know a lot, but they have a small heart? When you're highly skilled, but you have little heart and little love in your heart, you become a manipulative person. A lot of people have resigned from evangelism because they had an experience with somebody that was manipulative or they trained to do it in a way that was manipulative, right? Coercing people out of fear. And, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to trash anybody else. I'm grateful. Paul says, like, even if people share for unjust means, like, I, I rejoice that the gospel is shared. But, but I also want to recognize there is a more excellent way, the Bible says, and that is the way of love. And we don't have to choose between skill and heart. We can actually embrace the fact that we can be both skillful and have an amazing heart for people. And I would say if I had to choose, I'd rather, I'd rather have a big heart and do it poorly. Be like, oh, Jesus loves you. I don't know about the Nephilim, but come to my church. Okay, great. <laughs> and they'd be like, that person was so nice. <laughs> and they're not going to care, honestly, that their question, their question didn't get. I mean, they might. Right, And I go, that's, that's why we should press on to have a deeper theological, richer theological. And you know what's going to happen? What's going to inspire you to do that is to sit across from somebody and recognize they're genuinely asking a question that I don't know the answer to. And that's going to spur you on in your faith. right? But if you're always waiting until you have every answer to every question before you begin to share, guess what? You're never going to share with anybody. So just begin to start where you are and begin to have those conversations. And so prayer, share, care. Sorry, I got a little bit into the sharing part, but prayer. All of us can pray for somebody. All of us can pray for somebody. And most people in my experience, they get irritated or testy sometimes when you press into sharing. It takes a little more boldness. But the reality is most people are just deeply blessed by any willingness you have to pray for them. So I just want to give you free permission. Bill Johnson says it this way. He says if they have a broken arm, broken leg, or a frowny face, they're fair game. Go pray for them. Hey, what's going on today? Can I pray for you? And what's amazing is as you have an openness to being bold and sharing with people, it's incredible how people will open up to you. Because, Because the world out there is incredibly harsh, honestly. And there are a lot of people dealing with really hard things. And you come into a situation with a stranger and you're kind and loving and treat them with respect. And all of a sudden they'll be going, I don't know why I feel like I should tell you this, but I'm going through something a little bit tough, you know. And you go, you know, I'm a Christian. I would love to pray for you. Recently I bought a car and the young guy that I, in, in talking to him, like, why are you selling this car? He's like, he began to share the story. I'm, I'm having to move back to New York. And oh, why are you moving back to New York? And just beginning to ask questions of people, having a curiosity in your relationships around you. Why are you moving back to New York? Oh, my mom's diagnosed with stage four cancer, colon cancer. My mom went through stage four colon cancer. So I said, my mom went through that exact same thing. The thing that made a big difference in her life was, was us praying for her. His family was a Hindu family, okay? And so I just said, hey, can I pray? And he's like, I would love to have you praying for my mom. I, I was like, no, can we pray right now? He's like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I prayed. 
and you know what, we had to text about some things related to the vehicle I purchased, but as I was texting with him, how's your mom doing? How's your mom doing? Hey, I'm praying for you, right? Just sowing a seed into a person's life of kindness, intercession, prayer. I went and bought something on Facebook Marketplace as I was there picking up the item with my daughter. Uh, it was like, it's like a, I'll just say what it is. I bought a massage chair. As I, I was going to say it's a therapeutic item. <laughs> <laughs> I bought this really nice massage chair. And I was like, well, you know, why did you have this? And she's like, well, my husband has uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, has ALS. And it, he's gotten so sick, he couldn't even come out and, and help, you know, sell it. He was the one I'd been interacting with on Facebook, but he couldn't come. And so in the conversation with the lady as she's sharing, you know, they, they were people that had immigrated to the United States and had been living. I just said, do you guys have a pastor in your life? Hey, I'm a pastor. I would love to be praying for you. Any way I can be praying for and encouraging you, let me know. And then my daughter and I prayed for her and prayed for her husband. She just starts to tear up as we're praying for her, you know. And I think she was not, had a nominally Christian background. Hey, he, I sent her a link to the website of, uh, I have a website where I put my testimony on, my, on, my, uh, on a card. And, and I gave her that card and I just said, here's my story. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, just reach out to me. I'd love to be praying for you and for your family. And so we had something we had to follow up on. You know, she forgot to give me the manual. She had to send it in the mail. And as we're interacting over that, hey, I'm praying for you and your husband. How is he doing? Right? These are just in recent days. And it was, these aren't full-on gospel-sharing encounters. Nobody fell on their knees in this situation and cried out to Jesus or anything. Just sowing seeds in faith. But can I tell you... When you, if I had walked away from those situations without being a little bit bold, I would have felt a little cowardly in my heart praying for those people not having said or done anything. And when you take a little step of faith and put a little skin in the game, can I tell you, your, your prayers become so much more faith-filled on behalf of those people. And so those are examples of how you can be praying for people, how you can be sharing I've already mentioned the power of sharing your personal testimony. I'm going to give a real practical example of something that I'm doing. You already heard we're going to do a testimony workshop. Billy's the one that really challenged me to do this. He created a personal tract. You can ask him for it if you'd like to see it, about his own salvation journey. And it's very succinct and really well written, and he has it printed, and he just keeps them in his truck so that he can hand them out and share them with people. And I was like, that's a great idea, because, because I would just love to share my personal story with someone far more than something generic, right? And so I created these little business cards, and I felt like it was, I would never put a picture of myself <laughs> on my own card, uh, typically, but I did it on this card because I want people to remember who I am for the next time I might see them, right? And so I put a picture of myself on there, and then I put a little QR code. How I many you know QR codes made a big comeback since COVID? We love QR codes here at Gate City Church. And I put a little QR code here that people can scan, and it takes them to a page that I put, and I have a website, and I just recorded my testimony and then transcribed it and read it, wrote it out there. It can be read in about three or four minutes. We'll, uh, we'll make this available on the landing page like later this week if you want to check it out, or you can come ask me for one of these carts. And, and so when I'm out, and I don't have time necessarily to share the gospel with someone, a waiter or a waitress, like on Father's Day when I took my daughters to lunch, Praise God, believe it or not, the waitress said, your children are really well behaved. I was like, thank you, Jesus. They normally, they normally are, but not always. But I was like, and it just made an impression on the waitress. And she said, your children are like wonderful. Thank you for, you know, thank you for, uh, for letting me serve you today. And she wrote this really nice note on the receipt. 
And I just, I was like, I had one of these cards in my wallet, and I just said to her, you know, the re- I came from a really broken family. The story is here on this card, but uh, there's a lot of brokenness in my relationship with my dad. And I said, but God has really redeemed that in my story. And what you're seeing in the life of my kids is a result of something God has done in my life. And I, I can't take credit for it. I got to give credit to God for it. You know, I don't think I even said it that eloquently, honestly. I'm saying it better now in the preaching. But I gave her this card, and I just said, if you want to hear my story, she goes, oh, that's, you know, I'll check that out. And so I'm just using this simple tool to sow seeds, because not everybody, but you know, it took some time. It takes a little intentionality. It takes a little bit of boldness, but it's not above you to think of something creative like this that works for you so that you can be sharing the gospel in your day-to-day life. So how many of you had a card like that, you think you would use it? Okay, about 10 of y'all, Perfect. How many of you feel like if you had a card like that, you might actually use it? Okay, good. I just tricked you because we're going to provide a card like that to every person here as you go out the door. Now, it's not your personal story, but it is stories from people in our church. And it has a little thing that says life-changing stories, and they can scan the QR code. And it takes you to a little page with my story, Gus Rubio's story, Andrew Folletti's story. And we're going to be adding more to it in the coming week. And so you can say, hey... You know what? I'd love to invite you to church. Has a little note on the back. People tell me all the time when they come here, they come to visit here, they go, I think the church should be open 24-7. People that don't know Jesus love that idea, right? Like, that's how the church should be. No, I don't go to church, but that's how the church should be, right? And so it says on there, you know, it's open at all times for prayer and worship on the back. We'd love to see you on a Sunday. And I want to challenge you guys. Pick up five or ten of these and just... And just share with people, hey, Jesus has changed my life. Here are some leaders at my church, the stories of how their lives are changed. And use this as a simple witnessing tool, right, to share in a personalized way, hey, I'd love to have you join us for church on a Sunday. Because I really believe what I was saying earlier, that if we give a a clear invitation to the people around us, right, they're going to say yes you don't know, you don't, we a lot of times assume the default answer is going to be no. Can I tell you, most people I invite, the default answer is yes, I'd be interested. Yes, I'd love to come to church with you. More people, more people respond positively than negatively, and it's the accusation of the enemy that it's anything different. And so we have these available in the back of the room. And so I want to leave you with some practical challenges before we go into our closing few minutes. And if you guys can just, I love that you're back here supporting me, encouraging me, and just hold the music for a moment. But um, so if you don't know how to share your witness, come to the workshop. If you don't know what to do as the next step and you've been going, I want to be more bold, pick up five of these cards or 10 of these cards or 20 of these cards if you're feeling ambitious and say over the next few weeks, I'm going to pray that God would give me the opportunity to share and then I'm going to, I'm going to leave a big tip and I'm going to invite somebody to hear a life-changing story. Or I'm going to stop and help somebody whose battery's dead in the parking lot and then I'm going to tell them, hey, just, if you have, don't have a church to go to, here's, here's my church. There's a parable where Jesus said the sower went out to sow seed. And then he goes on to describe different types of soil. But I remember what struck me about that parable is that he doesn't put it upon the sower to distinguish what the good soil is and what the good soil isn't. And I think a lot of times we're a little too analytical, going, I don't know, this, that person's tattoos and they seem like they might be drunk. I think, that's, I think that's probably not good soil. I'm not going to bother. They make me nervous. Or the guy with the briefcase, you know? <laughs> or the person on a date with their same-sex partner. 
Like, certainly that's not good soil, right? When the truth is, you don't know what God's doing in their heart, and it might be the most fertile soil you see all day. A sower went out to sow seed. And so what I want to challenge us to do is to not become discerners of soil, but instead be sowers of seed. Amen. All right. So we're going to prayer, we're going to share, we're going to care. I gave you your three points, and now I'm just going to tell you real quickly why, okay? If you're in the notes, go to the final section, the God of the big party. The God of the big party. And I just want to break down for you. I'm not going to read the passage for the sake of time, but in Luke 15, there's three parables that Jesus tells. And what's amazing about these parables is these parables, it says, though he's surrounded by tax collectors and sinners, it says that the tax collectors and sinners, they actually drew near to him to hear him. That tells me there was something about the presence of Jesus that, that people that shouldn't be attracted to a holy person, he was so winsome, kind, gracious, loving, that where they were repulsed by the Pharisees, they were attracted to the holiness and presence of Jesus. They drew near to hear him. They drew near to hear him. But then you see the Pharisees and the scribes complaining that the sinners are interested in hearing what he has to say. And so he tells these three parables not to affirm the sinners, but to correct the church, to correct the Pharisees that had pre-disqualified the sinful people and said there's really no hope for these guys. And what Jesus explains to them is three stories that I'm sure you're familiar with, right? The first one is, there's 99 sheep, one of them gets lost. And he says, doesn't the shepherd leave the 99 to go after the one? And when he brings it back, it says he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Verse 6, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me. I have found my sheep was, was lost. He says, likewise, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. Then he tells another story. I like this one, this same illustration. A woman who loses some coins in her house, and she notices one of them is missing. And because these coins are precious, it says she lights a lamp, she sweeps the house. She goes through very diligent effort to find that missing piece. Do you know that God's collection in heaven is incomplete? God wants heaven full and hell empty. Do you know that you are the missing piece in God's collection? uniquely crafted in his image to serve a purpose, and he wants your worship, he wants your life, he wants you to be a part of his family. And that's true of all of us. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of him. It says when this woman finds this precious coin, she's so filled with joy. It says she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me, I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is like, Angel Bob, Angel Steve, come see what's going on down here. It's the ugly cry in the altar. And you're like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. And the angels are like, yeah! A heart is turning to God. A miracle of new birth is happening in a person's spirit. Or maybe it's a more quiet, subtle moment. 
You gave someone a card. You shared your testimony with them. You did some act of kindness. And they're laying on their bed at night in those quiet moments where you reflect on your day. And they're thinking, I haven't prayed to God since I was a child. But my life is pretty hard right now. And it felt like that person came as a reminder of what could be in my life. And they just say, Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, would you help me? And Jesus goes, that's the door I was looking for. And you know who gets to help him crack it open? You do. With your word of encouragement, with your prayer, with your willingness to be kind, available in a person's life. And so I love these parables, the final one, the parable of the prodigal son. He's been living a wild life, squandering his father's inheritance on prostitutes and tax collectors, but he finally comes home. And when he comes home, the father says, let's kill the fatted calf, give him a new robe, put sandals on his feet. The guy comes raggedy, stenching probably from having fed uh, fed pigs, looking haggard because it's been in a land of famine. He's lost all his money. And he makes his way home and says the father sees him a long way off and he runs out to meet him. You know, in that time, like if you go to Arab cultures, they kind of wear long garments, and I imagine the father like hiking up his garment and running out to the son. It says he falls on him weeping. And the older brother's offended, the religious brother's offended. He goes, is this really what it's all about? Like lavishing things upon your, your wicked son who squandered your inheritance? The father says, he was dead, but now he's alive. It's right that we celebrate. And can I tell you what our nervousness and our busyness and our procrastination and our uncertainty and our shame is stealing us of is the joy of inviting people into the family of God. And can I tell you, there is a joy in sharing your faith with people and eventually seeing some of them respond that is like nothing else in your life. Can I tell you some of the most joyful, and the parents in the room will say amen to this. Joyful moments in my life was when my children were brought into the world. Today may have been one of the most joyful moments in my life because I got to, got to publicly welcome two of my children into the family of God. And it's right that we would celebrate. But can I tell you, God wants that to be a normal part of our experience with him. That it wouldn't just be the angels and the fathers, but it would be the spiritual brothers and sisters that enter into the joy of people's lives transformed by the very things that have changed our lives. So let's stand together. It's 12 o'clock. Thank you for enduring the heat. As we said, the doors are already open for us to go out and share with the world, right? And so let's go from our neighborhoods to the nations, and let's not delay. Let's start today. Grab some cards. I, wouldn't it be awesome if you went to lunch and you're like, those, you shared with somebody, hey, we'd love to have you. Three other people invited me today already, dude. And I've gotten like the four largest tips in my entire life. <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm kind of serious. Wouldn't that make you go, huh, maybe I should check out that church. They're really good tippers. If you're hearing me and you just say, you know what, I want to make a commitment today to do what the Holy Spirit hopefully is inviting you to do, which is to move past those barriers and move into faith-filled, courageous sharing of your faith with the people around you. And perhaps this 
is one of the four that I mentioned, or maybe there's something else that's hindering you from being a bold witness to Jesus. I want to invite you not to carry that out of this room with you, but to come in in humility say, Jesus, take this fear. Lord, take this selfishness or this busyness. Lord, take this sense of, uh, I, I don't know how, and give me courage. Give me wisdom. And God, I want to I wanna be a part of a spiritual family that grows exponentially because we're faithfully inviting people into the transformation that we've experienced. And I just think, just the image that I have in my mind is people carrying burdens that are hindering them from doing this faithfully. And I imagine all those burdens being left here in this altar. And for you to walk out of this place unencumbered by that fear, unencumbered by that selfishness, unencumbered by that uncertainty, and filled with boldness and faith. So we're not going to necessarily lay hands on you, but I want to say this altar is open for you to come and leave those burdens. And if you want to come, you can come now. I'm just going to begin to pray. So if you feel like you need to leave something in this altar this morning, some excuse, some barrier, some hesitation. Just come, you can get on your knees, you can pray, you can make a, a, a posture of surrender. And I believe God is going to, where you're leaving a burden in the altar, he's gonna give you a gift as you go out. So Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would begin to break fear off of people even in this moment. That you begin to break complacency off of people even. Guilt, a sense of guilt or shame, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I ask God that, you would begin, Lord, where there are people that just that word procrastination, they know there's someone they should have been sharing with at work or in their family. And, and you're imparting courage today to not procrastinate anymore. Lord, I ask that gift of a bold witness, Lord. Begin to deposit it in people's hearts, even in this moment. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And you can just open your hands before the Lord. Just say, Lord, take any hesitation, any barrier. And in your heart of hearts, say, Lord, I want to commit. I want to be made a faithful witness. I want to bring joy to the angels of heaven in the heart of the Father. I want to live with courage to share, even in small ways, to be obedient. We want to be a church that takes the gospel to our neighborhoods and to the nations. Let us start here. Let us start today. Let us start with our own stories, God. Pray this in Jesus' name. I'm just going to wait a moment longer. I want to give one last invitation. I just felt it just drop in my heart just now. If you've been hearing this message and you're actually sitting there going, you know what, I don't know if I've experienced the life change that's being described. And I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Or I need to make a commitment to Jesus. I saw those baptisms. And you just feel that sense. Like, you know you're here. But if you were to really be honest with yourself, if something were to happen in your life, you were to pass tomorrow, you don't know whether you would go to eternity with God or not. You say, you know what, I, I need to take a step today. I need to make a decision to pray that prayer. I want to invite our altar team, if they're here, just some of our altar workers to come forward. If you need to, if you need to pray with somebody today, these guys are going to stand in the front. They're going to be facing out. They would love to pray with you. 
And if you know that's true, I actually just want to invite you to be bold. I'm not going to lead us all in a corporate prayer, but I invite you to be bold. You know you need to get right with Jesus. You know that. I just want to invite you to raise your hand just so I can pray for you in my heart. If you know that's true, you know you need to make a decision to serve him today. You need to rededicate your life or dedicate your life for the first time. Just slip your hand up. Amen. I see that hand, brother. If only just for you, I'm glad that we just gave that invitation. Thank you for your courage. What I want to invite you to do is you're raising your hand right now. You know what I said is true. I invite you to come forward and pray with one of our ministry teams. I want to invite you. You can just come forward. So, Lord, we thank you, God, for people even making decisions right now to serve you. And we pray, Lord, that they would take and experience this opportunity for life transformation. In Jesus' name. So, Father, we bless each and everyone, all the baptisms today, all the decisions today, and every person who made a commitment to be a witness. And we ask, Lord, bless them as they go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.